0: We share things in our family, apart from the water bottle. Not like the uh, fellow who was visiting McDonald's and he saw this elderly couple sitting at a table. And they had one container of some drink and they had two straws. And he thought, oh, isn't that lovely? So they were sharing that drink there and uh, he said, oh, that's wonderful. And they said, oh, we we share everything. And anyway, the uh, hamburger came along and the hamburger was cut in half and he picks up the knife and the fork and he begins to eat the hamburger and the lady sits there. And he eats the whole hamburger and, and this man said, I, I, I thought you share, why is your wife not eating? He said, oh, well, it's my turn for the teeth. <laughs> so my turn for the Bible and the reading. It, it was Friday. And my phone rang. We were entertaining some people and and my phone rang and I had a quick look at it and I saw that it was from the pastor. So I uh, had a little listen to what the pastor had to say and he said, oh I don't feel too well at all. And I knew that they'd been in South Australia and well if you go to South Australia you get what you deserve, sorry. Well, poor Garth and Michelle contacted COVID and their family contacted COVID. People came down from Queensland and they contacted COVID. So, South Australia was the most unhealthy place. <laughs> now, Julie and I are heading there in a couple of weeks' time. And I've been instructed on not to hug and kiss anybody today because she doesn't want me getting COVID so that we can't go. All right. OK. Family. Families are absolutely wonderful. We enjoy our family. We love our family. And we love Christmas. And uh, I was asked to speak down at Somerville at a retirement village last Sunday. And so when Garth said, Would, could you possibly preach on Sunday, I said, well... He said, have you got something up your sleeve? Uh, and I said, well, I could use the message that I used down at uh, the retirement village last week. The people here won't be quite as old as them, but uh, anyway. He, he said, look, w- whatever you want to do. So I said, well, I've got some notes and so I'll, I'll use that for what we're sharing today. And so that's basically I- is what I'm doing today. I'm sharing with you an old message. And uh, when we were leaving to come to church today, one of our neighbours down one place from us stopped and uh, we had a little chat and he said, oh, he says I prayed for you last night, Tom. He says, I pray for you and Julie every night. He says I pray for everybody in the avenue. And he said, and you're preaching today. And I said, that's right. He says, well, I prayed last night that you'd have something really new and vital for the congregation today. So with a little guilty conscience, I had to tell him that I'm uh, using basically the outline from last week. And then I said to him, but you know, the old, old story, it is ever new and the message never changes. And I've just been excited throughout the service today how so many things about the service have reflected on what I want to share with you today. That little beautiful song that we sang from generation to generation. And that's what I'm covering today, generations. I, I'm talking about the generations of the Lord Jesus. I'm talking about what was important for him, but what had gone before and, and Pete alluded to that today in, in his lovely communion address about Abraham prepared to do what God said to offer up his son Isaac uh, upon the altar. He was prepared to do and, and the promise that was there that through him all the nations of the earth would be blessed. And when we stop to think about Christmas, which has only just been a little while ago, and for many people, it's all over and done with now. It's uh, gone and forgotten. The beautiful Christmas trees that we saw have either been burned the rubbish heap or, or, or put out for collection or tucked away uh, in their container for another time. And people think of Christmas and they think of that tree. But how few of them think about the tree on which Jesus Christ died? We remember the Christmas tree about his birth and we celebrate that and, and that's absolutely wonderful. But without the cross, without the tree on which Jesus died, we wouldn't be here today. We wouldn't be here celebrating the sacrifice that God made when he allowed his son to come into the world and to bleed and die for our sins. Christmas is a family time. That's one of the things I really enjoy. I don't very often get to read the mail because we don't get much these days apart from bills and circulars and so forth. But just before Christmas, there's a whole heap of things arrive and it's from people that we've known in past days and they have inside their card, usually a little letter that talks about their family and we we sit there and we read and we reminisce and we think about their family and then we think about our own family and all the things that we have enjoyed together. This past Christmas has been the most wonderful, wonderful, wonderful Christmas that I can ever remember or possibly ever will remember. And the reason was that we got to see our two daughters and their husbands and our son and his wife and all of our grandchildren, one. But we did get to see one who had married and she brought her husband with him. So we saw them all on Christmas Eve. One was missing. Our first grandchild. You know, I've told you about Max, our first grandchild and how, when he was born, I had all of these wonderful plans about what we were going to do together, uh, about how I was going to teach him to fish. And I used to have him in my arms, and I'd walk around the gardens where they were, and I'd explain the different trees and, and the different insects and things there, and he would sort of look up at me, at me when he wasn't asleep and take it all in. And then, of course, as many of you know, Max was born with a genetic deficiency in his body and uh, before his teen years, he was unable to talk, unable to walk. Everything had to be done for him. And they told us that he would not live beyond his teen years and we were preparing ourselves for that. He's still alive, 27, I think it is. And you know, this is wonderful. His carer brought him out to the home so that we could see Max on Christmas Day. You know, that's why it's a wonderful time for us as a family. And I know that many of you have similar stories about how your families can come together and celebrate at Christmas time. But I wonder, in all of that celebration, Do we remember the reason for the season? Do we remember the coming of the Lord Jesus? Did you celebrate Christmas this year? Did you have a Christmas tree up? Did you have maybe a little manger scene? Did you have cards and memorabilia? But did you think back to what happened before? the generations that have come and gone and, preferably, what may yet be to come. After Christmas, our son and his family went up to Marysville and they were going to go and take the kids fishing there. Julie's father and her uncle took me up to Marysville and taught me how to fly fish. Took me a year before I caught my first fish. When our son was born, I took him up to Marysville, taught him how to fish, and on the first day he caught a fish. Now I'm either a poor learner or a really good teacher. And we have wonderful times there. But boy, what a thrill it was when we got a picture come through on uh, the phone, and here is our 13-year-old, 14-year-old grandson in a pair of waders out in the stream up at Marysville. And in his hand, he's got a net And he's got his rod and at the end of the line you could see the first fish that he caught. So I've got all those wonderful memories about the generations. And throughout the scriptures we read about generations, about how important they are. And in in our scripture reading today, we read about the generations that preceded the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Have you ever done your family tree? Come on, be honest, who's done their family tree? Let's see a hand or two, three, four, five, six. No, nobody over there's done their family tree. They're not old enough to have a family tree, all right? So some people do this. I've never done it personally. I have relatives that have done. So I have a little bit of information about those who have gone before. And one of the ones that went before, as far as I was concerned on my mother's side, was her grandfather. And he was a doctor of divinity within the Presbyterian church. So I've got a great heritage. But it doesn't matter whether my great-great-grandfather was a doctor of divinity, or whether he happened to be whatever religion it might be, it doesn't mean a thing because it all comes down to our personal relationship with Christ. This week, I conducted a funeral service for one of our neighbours in the village. And after the service, uh, a couple came up to me, two men. Uh, one was uh, older than the other, and he, the older one said to me, are you a retired priest or something? Uh, and I said, well, I'm not a priest as such, but I have been a, a, a pastor for a number of years. And then he said, you know, you, you, you know what you're talking about up there, do you? And I said, yes. He said, you know the the, the scriptures? I said, yes. Yeah. Well, he said, I've got two nephews, he says, and they both train for the priesthood. Oh, I said, that's interesting. He said, oh, yes. He said, we're real proud of them, you know, it was real good. One, one of them continued in the priesthood, he said, And the other one gave up and went to work. He said, but we're real proud of them. And it's good for us to have a heritage. But I said to him, you know, God doesn't have any grandchildren. He only has children. So if you're a person today who's relying upon the faith of your parents, listen to this, or your grandparents, It's of no benefit to you whatsoever apart from the things you learn and the decision that you make. You think about that as we continue. We go back to uh, the genealogies a little there. God made that promise to Abraham in Genesis 18, verses 18 and 19, where we read, Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation, And all the nations of the earth will be blessed through him, for I have chosen him. Why? So that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. So that was the direction that is given him and it's the same direction that's given to Christian parents today that we are to train up our children in the way of the Lord and to teach them what is right and good so that they might walk in his way. They're not to follow us, but they are to walk in the way of the Lord that is set before them on the decision that they make. And then he goes on, do what is right and just so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised. Back in chapter 12, verse 2, we read, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and curse whoever curses you and all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. And that blessing includes you and me. But it has to be passed on. It has to be passed on by the word of God the word that is taught and throughout the scriptures we see that, that, that people, parents, are, are, have a responsibility to share the word of God with them. How many parents today pray with their children? How many parents today read the scriptures? How many parents today share faith with their children? It's not always easy, sometimes very difficult and sometimes very disappointing. But we don't have to be responsible for the decisions that they make. We have to share with them what God has set before them so that they might live. Or well, I could go on and on about the responsibilities of parents and, uh, and of the way that they are to live. But I, I want you to, say, to, to know today that that blessing that was given to Abraham is for you and for me. But along with the blessing comes the responsibility of obedience to the word of God. We go through Genesis and we come to chapter 39 and the first verse tells us that Joseph as a boy was taken down to Egypt. you know the story of Joseph as a child, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob? And Joseph, this little lad, he had all these older brothers and, uh, you know, he, he it was, a, 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 I don't know whether he was a religious little boy or not, but there was something about him because he had visions, he had dreams, and one day he had this vision of sheaves of wheat in the field and, and of the one little small sheave and all the big sheaves came and bowed down before the one, this one. So he told his older brothers about this and they said, oh, come on, we're not going to bow down to you. And so I don't know, really. I'm just making up the little words that they said, but I could just imagine it, that they weren't going to take any notice of their little brother and they were not going to be obedient to him. And so they decided they'd do away with him. They got his coat, you know. You've seen Jacob and the uh, the, the stories of the family and, and the coat of many colours that was given to young Joseph and how they took it off him and they were going to kill him. But they didn't want to do that. They, they sprinkled some blood on it and there was a, a well there. So, so they got him and they, they threw him down into the well. Any of you ever been thrown down into a well? Well, I fell down a well. Wasn't good fun. And I could just imagine how that little lad felt down there. No way he could get out. Fortunately, we, I had a rope still tied around the windlass and by the time I got it down to the end, I could climb up the rope and get out of the well, but he didn't have that. But God had the matter in hand. And just at that stage when the, the older brothers were going to go off and tell Dad that, uh, you know, that the wild animals had got their little brother... They thought oh we'll sell him into slavery so the caravan comes along and they sell their brother into slavery and he goes down to Egypt now keep that phrase in mind he goes down to Egypt you know the story there when he got there and how he became very successful and and God blessed him and and he gave him the visions and Pharaoh made him uh, second only to himself in the nation And he he told him about the great uh, famine that was going to come throughout the world. And he he told him what to do. And and they stored away and they stored away. And they had all their goods for seven years. And then at the end of that time, there came that great famine. And, of course, everybody, uh, apart from the Egyptians and Pharaoh in control of all this, they had nothing. And so they were forced to come and beg and sell their own things so that they might get food to eat. Jacob says to his sons, I've heard that there's food down in Egypt. Go down and buy some. I I won't go into all the story. It'll take too long, but you you know the story. Anyway, they come down and they don't recognise Joseph. I mean, previously, he was a little skinny kid that they'd thrown down into a well, without any clothes on, and here he is, clothed with royal garments, royal robes. They don't recognise him. Just in the same way that so many people don't recognise Jesus Christ as Saviour and Lord. The disciples on the Emmaus road. I mustn't must digress. Anyway, finally, they go back and they tell their dad, and then they want more. And he said, well, no, no, no what have you got at home? And they said, well, we've got dad and we've got one little bloke left there. He said, well, you you go and bring that little one down to me. Bring your dad down to me. Oh, no, no, he won't come. He wouldn't surrender his son, all right? Well, you know, the story goes on that finally they come down and Joseph sees his brothers have come and he breaks down and he weeps. And he says, you meant it to me for evil, but God meant it to me for good. And as a result of their obedience, then Pharaoh offers an opportunity for Jacob and the family. And in our Bible reading today, it talks about them taking them down into Egypt. Down in Egypt, you know all oh, it was really good for a while. They flourished, and all oh, the people thought this was absolutely wonderful. And then they began to become some, so numerous that they were a threat to the Egyptians. And so they became slaves down in Egypt, and had to remain there until such a time as Pharaoh decided. We're going to get rid of all the boys. You know the story. Every boy that was born had to be thrown into the Nile. And Moses is born. And his parents didn't want to lose him. So they put him in a little basket and put him in the pond down there and you know, the Pharaoh's daughter comes down and she finds Moses and, and he then becomes the deliverer to bring the people out of their bondage and to restore you. And God said to in, in the Bible reading today, go down to Egypt for I will bring you back again and make a great nation. I will surely bring you back. So that prophetic word that was spoken is now finding fulfilment. And Moses becomes the deliverer under the hand of God and he leads the people out of their bondage back into the promised land. So, you know, sometimes in life, the path that we travel is difficult. Sometimes in life, things don't just work out the way we want them to. But God is with us. And he will bring us back. No matter how difficult the pathway that we have to travel, God is with us and he will see us through. God will bring us back. And what a great day that is when we come to realise that no matter how bad the situation seems to be, no matter how difficult the the times that we experience, God is with us and he will bring us back. Back. Israel as an infant nation went down into Egypt and God brought them back now over in Matthew chapter 2 verses 13 and 15 I better go or hurry or I'll be in trouble when they had gone an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream get up he said take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt stay there until I tell you for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him you see the comparison here you see how it's all part of God's plan and it's all working together, all fulfilling what God had promised? Just as the, uh, the leaders in, in Egypt killed the, the boys there, but saved that little one, so now in the situation here where Jesus is about to be born, there is a destruction coming. He's going to be put to death. But the angel of the Lord says, Escape to where? Egypt. Okay, following that pattern. So down, Mary and Joseph take their baby and they go down. Yeah, just a quick diversion. Who, who had a manger scene this year? Any of you have a manger scene? None of you, all right? Well, oh, some of you did. One person, okay. You don't know what you're missing. But on the manger scene, you'll see there uh, Mary and Joseph and little baby Jesus, and, and you'll see shepherds there, and you might even see angels. And who else do you see? Yeah, the wise men. Thank you. Go to the top of the class, all right? But that manger scene is wrong. The wise men weren't there. They did not come. Until some time later. Most people, most commentators think probably almost two years before they arrived. They had seen the star in the east and they had come to worship the Lord, but it was a long journey. And they went and saw Pharaoh and uh, they went, went, went to, to see the, the leader there and, and said, We have come to see the king that was born. And he said, Oh, wow. Go and see and then come and tell me where it is so I might go and worship him. But his plan was to kill the baby. And when the Magi, the wise men, the three kings got the word from the Lord, they went on their way. And Mary and Joseph and Jesus are down in Egypt until the Lord sent for them to come back once Herod had uh, gone and there was no further opportunity for him to fulfil his plan to destroy Christ. Now all around the nations of the world today, there are those who want to be rid of Christianity and they want to put Christ to death. It won't work for them. God is in control and he will bring us safely to the destination. I think i better wind up. I get so excited about the gospel, I really do. (laughs) It's so wonderful, so wonderful how God is working his plan out. So never get discouraged, my dear friends. God is in control. Look, it doesn't matter if you I'm talking from my perspective, if your wife goes in for an overnight procedure and it takes six weeks before they let her out again. God is there. He's in control. And there is nothing that can harm us but that God allows it and will use it for his glory. I better stop. The past for Jesus was his ancestry, the Old Testament. His present was in his infancy and ministry, the New Testament. And his future is in his prodigy. The church. We are living epistles. We are the continuation of that age old story. And with that continuation comes a responsibility. The Old Testament speaks to us a lot about God and the new about his son and the Holy Spirit through the living epistles. Next Sunday, I see we're having a baptismal service. And I understand, I think there's three people, is that right, Garth? The yep, gas nodding, he can't speak, but it's three people up the back. I mean he, he's nodding. Three people next Sunday are being baptized. I wonder what about the rest of you? I know there are many people here today, many young people that love the Lord but they've never been obedient to him in baptism. Abraham loved the Lord. And he was obedient to that position when he was about to slay his son because he trusted God and then found the ram that was caught by its horns in a thicket as the sacrifice that God had provided. And the Bible says obedience is the pathway of blessing. God gives his spirit to those who obey him. So if you have never been immersed, It's an act of obedience. God promises that in your act of obedience, you will be filled with his spirit. It's his promise. It's not mine. It's his promise. He gives his spirit to those who obey him. So if you are a believer, but you'd never obeyed him in Christian baptism, time for you to make that decision. Time for you to speak to Garth or of the elders. And they I would just love to share with you that pathway of obedience to Christ. Father, thank you for your word. We thank you that it is a generational message. It never changes. And the promise of blessing is always there to be to those who are obedient to him. And I ask today, Lord, that uh, you will take these words as... Uh, We've sought to just see Christ in all the scriptures and to see the future knowing that he is in control. And may each and every one of us be submissive to him and walk in that path of obedience, teaching, proclaiming, living out and obeying your word. And we ask it through Christ our Lord. Amen.